0: All right. And everyone, welcome back to the next episode of the Information Revolution. This is episode 20. I can't believe we've got here. The Information Revolution is a podcast for people who are involved in the information industry. Um, My name is Carl Melrose. I work for Castle Point Systems in Canberra. My views are my own, and I'm here with my two co-hosts,
1: Michael. My name is Michael Upton, and I'm in Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, I'm an information management consultant and director of a little company called Metataxis.
2: And I'm Judy Verno. I'm an information architect. I also work for that little company in Wellington called Metataxis. So, Carl, what are we talking about today? Well,
0: Judy, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Be a short episode, otherwise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very quiet. Um, Thank you. Uh, So, I'm introducing today because today we are talking about um, a topic that could actually be quite short because, you know, I'm definitely not a wellspring of knowledge, but I think it needs to be discussed in its databases. You know, ultimately, the field that we spend, or the place we all spend a lot of our time working is government records, and databases are this thing that we just seem to pretend don't exist. And I think that's a, I mean, it's a real cause for concern for starters, you know, but, but but I'm, I think the, the dynamics of the way we've avoided it are really interesting, you know, because we've got, you know, definitions of what, what's a public record and, you know, ultimately it comes down to, you know, any piece of information, you know, used by a public servant, you know, in the, in the transaction of their duties is a public record and must be kept. And, you know, the, the definition is slightly different in every records act, but that's what it boils down to. And then we hit... And, and so, you know, we go around and, you know, anytime there's a document, an object, a thing, you know, we get very wound up about, you know, putting it into a record system and having a BCS and managing through a life cycle and, you know, classifying correctly. And then we hit a business system and we just pretend it doesn't exist. And that blows my mind, for starters, but it's becoming an increasingly large problem because the trend is towards more structured data it's not away from structured data you know so that I mean you know there's there's all kinds of you know IDC and Gartner things saying that you know volume of unstructured data is going up you know dramatically and it is but the volume of structured data is going up dramatically and I think the volume of particularly with SAS um, the volume of structured data being used because of business systems is going up dramatically because the cost of business systems is is actually coming down. You know, I mean, when when when, when could you go to the the info? When could you ever go to market and get a business system to manage a finance process or something like that for you know twenty one dollars a month, which I think is the the base cost of zero. Um, or, you know, $19 per month per user, which is, you know, Basecamp, the project management product, or and we have no affiliations with those. They're just the ones I pulled out of the top of my head, um, or any of those kinds of SaaS products. And so, I mean, I think we're actually probably stumbling into two related topics here, but, you know, there's business systems and databases and SaaS applications, which, you know, ultimately are a business system that sits on a database. They're things that we as an industry have to come to grips with managing through a life cycle. Um, and I mean, I, I'd be interested in what the two of you think. I mean, am I, am are we, is there just a nice separation of duties around um, records and data? And is that what we're, is that what we're actually seeing? We're seeing the two of them running together or am I just overthinking this?
2: I think it's, interesting that certainly in new zealand if i've understood this correctly that the general disposal authority hardly mentions databases i mean there's a whole section devoted to records about databases and the procuring of them and all that stuff but that's over there but thinking about information stored in those databases there's very li- there is mention but very little mention i was looking through the finance part of it And I I couldn't see any mention at all about managing what's in a financial system as a record. So there's nothing there to kind of trigger people to think about how they should be dealing with what's in the databases, as far as I can see. And I'm absolutely no expert in this area. Um, But the other side of it, well, there are two other sides of it. One is you're supposed to give access to these records so they're supposed to be maintained in an accessible form which i guess is okay for the few people who use the database but is that accessible by anybody else and what happens when if these things get transferred to archives how on earth are they going to what are they going to do with it all these different database formats what how
1: there's a million things I could say about all this stuff. So go for it. <laughs> well, let's let's begin. Let's begin at the beginning. And... Yeah. So I, I think of the data problem. I mean, I, I think of this as just being an extension of that concept that um, the format shouldn't determine whether or not something is a record, and I think that's really well established. Um, and yes, I definitely see a pattern that you're describing, Carl, where people say that and then in their actions don't actually really do that much, go, oh, yeah, you know, um, this key system, it was procured by someone without our involvement and that's a pity. (laughs) Seems to be the extent of the interaction sometimes with some of those line of business systems. Then there's a stage of people going, let's figure out if we can create some kind of an integration that basically periodically exports things in a form that we can deal with, that we think of as more like uh, documents, And, you know, and and documents have more traditionally been the purview of records people. And, you know, I'm not, I'm actually not super opposed to that because I think that you're at least putting some effort into thinking about what is a record in that context. You know, you're, you're going, all right, well, actually there's, we're not actually saying absolutely all the things are records in the same way that you would hopefully kind of try and weed out the rot or the dross or whatever we call it if you're thinking in a document context um, but it does seem like um, it's an incredibly risky approach I think and an incredibly resource intensive approach to say all right we're going to try and um, massage stuff you know within a database into some other form I mean it's essentially format shifting in the same way that for instance you might convert an Excel spreadsheet into a PDF and then submit that to someone and um, and you've immediately lost some of what the people using that record um, mm. got from that record, you know, yeah. like, like, I um, mean, it, it throws up in that the, in the, in the physical context. Sorry. I'll just quickly add, mm. like there, there's really, really um, common trend here. Uh, gosh, can't think when this was, I think it's the early nineties where people went nuts on microfishing things
2: um, oh, yes,
1: and destroying the source going, Oh, that's great. Now we can keep, yeah, now we've got it yeah. so efficiently, and then finding all the problems and what they've done, um, which is something I think a lot of digitization projects have learned from. But anyway, I, I just wanted to bring that up as mm-hmm. a kind of an example that's pretty well understood of the risks in format shifting. And so that that idea of like, oh, we'll we'll sort of we'll sort of make records out of our business system somehow. Um, I think we'll make objects out it's of our business, business system. system. It does, yeah, I mean... what objects, have a records object when we, you know, because we traditionally have the metadata. Yeah, we are an object. object-centric kind of profession. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, it does, it does throw up... It's risky. Yeah, it, it, but it does throw up that idea of what is the record as well. You know, I, I think that's yeah. ultimately what we're trying to consider. Um, and that idea that, you know, we can take a point-in-time copy of, you know, the data that's there and say that's the record. I mean, that's interesting but i mean from a if you wanted to really get into it um, and you know the kind of thing that i think a judge would decide is that you know whatever 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 view that public servant or person had of that record at the moment they made a decision if that that's the record and I, and i think ultimately that's what that's what the problem mm-hmm. boils down to it boils down to the fact that you know you've got a database but then on top of the database you've got a business application that gives you a composable view of a certain snap a certain slice of that data. So, you know, it's gonna to pull together a certain number of tables, but then you might have a totally different business system that uses the same database and relies on and also relies on many of those tables and a different composable view. I mean the the simple
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: the simple way for people to get their heads around that, you know, if they if they're if I haven't explained it well is, you know, you go to um like SharePoint, you know, SharePoint, you know, you've got different views that you can give to different users. And if you want to put a column of metadata in, well, you can put a different column in based on who's viewing the who, who's viewing the library. And I mean, well, there's an interesting, there's an interesting idea. Um If people are going to make decisions based on, you know, that library and the metadata that shows, well, you have to be able to recreate. How how do you recreate that view that that person had at that point in time is what it comes down to.
2: That's a really, really good point. Just thinking of it from an information architecture view because, yeah, you're setting up the metadata around each information object, let's say. Well, let's say it's a survey or something like that or a questionnaire and you're just pulling out the key points from that into a into a list and what is the record? It must be the individual survey or whatever this is and the list or and the item in the list. Or, and, or,
0: and the way the the person viewed the viewed the list at the, the moment the they made the decision because it was used in the in yeah. the transaction of government, you know, and it blah blah it's a record it must be kept. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean particularly around something like um well housing and you could uh, view the information in the database around the particular dwelling, but then maybe you want a completely different view of all of that, um, which is all the people who live in that dwelling, or, you know, I don't know, all the repairs that were done on that dwelling. There's so many different views. How do you you, you couldn't you couldn't approach it like that, surely
1: you' so, have to
2: have that it's got to be all or nothing
1: yeah so uh, I mean uh, so this really does get into the guts of what is it to create a record or what is the record because it's not um like a sort of logical sort of other extreme of the alternative uh, you know alternative in terms of how you might maintain a database is you keep the whole database right but then uh is there additional stuff you need which is basically what the two of you are saying to actually understand how that was used and what Combinations of data drove what decision making, you know, um, and led to certain outcomes. Um, and it's almost like you need a handbook, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, I mean, you, did, you I, sh- I, shouldn't a laugh. Business, I mean, business, kind of, of is,
0: but you kind of need the business application. And, and it's interesting, yeah. that, you know, in, in our industry, there's a, there's a, a just a, something I've noticed lately is that there's a bunch of companies springing up who their their whole thing that they're doing is retiring old business applications. Like SAP okay. and you know yeah. old instances of SAP and old instances of you know all kinds of things. But the reason that they're you know that these old instances of whatever have been kept running in the background because people expect that at some point they'll have to be re- able to refer back to them, and they can, and they cost millions of dollars. But it's the
1: access issue isn't it?
0: But but it's but it's not just the access issue. It's the how is the data composed into what we see. So it's you know you've got a finance system over there, and if you know if you've got a big ERP mm. system, well, you know you may have one database that sits on you know it'll be like at a, at a logical level it will be lots of databases, but when you actually what you actually see in, your, in the business application side of that, that's going to be pulled together from lots of different databases, lots ta- lots of different tables in that thing. But the view that you see is the important thing, and. The idea, I think, that you can keep the database. I mean, even though, you know, I mean, there's this whole people get into silly, what I think are silly arguments, you know, and maybe I can be proven wrong on this, but what I think are silly arguments about whether databases are data or information, I mean, they're information, if you ever had a look at the table structure of a database, you know, you've got information presented in a context, you know, uh, you've got data presented in a context, you know, it's it's information, you know. And by the time it yep, gets presented, yeah. And by the time it gets presented to someone in a business application, you know, definitely information. They're definitely using it,
1: but it's how it's presented. And sometimes to Sometimes people them. make a distinction of a data set, like refer to a data set. The idea yes, you might often, collect, yeah, uh, um, almost like a static or one-time set of of data from, say, a research thing, and you might say, "Well, oh, that's just data." But it's still like, well, as soon as you have used that as evidence for a record, you might consider, you might say, oh, it's facilitatory and we can chuck it out as in facilitative. Like it just, you know, we've we've created a good enough record somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But still, you have to consider it. You still have to consider it as a record, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just kind of, it's games. (laughs) It's games. Yeah. (laughs) We need to think about the outcomes that we're actually trying to get to. And if we just split hairs on that stuff, then I don't think we're Mm -hmm. actually um, focused on the right thing you know we're not looking at what's the outcome we're trying no, it's how, to achieve, how does the technical is not, issue contribute to the outcome yeah exactly our outcome is not to have good definitions for what data and information are you know we've got all the other outcomes um i feel like um like so, so uh a, a, about a decade ago i worked at archives new zealand here and um that was when we were first establishing the government digital archive uh and there was, there was a lot of talk about digital preservation and they had dedicated digital preservation staff and so on. And I really feel like, um, yeah, there, there is this kind of niche or profession of digital preservation that, you know, would be fascinating if we could pull some people in who actually work in that world. But mm. I think from the outside, it's often seen as a thing where you're just worrying about file formats. But really, you have to go deeper, you have to be talking about what are these things that we're trying to capture and I do remember a conversation um, I think it was part of a conference there was a conference called Future Perfect back in 2012 was the last one Um, and that was basically pulling together digital preservation people, they all came to Wellington and there was this great conversation about sort of glam sector like if you're in a gallery, if you're in a library you're in an archive, you're in a museum what does it mean to do digital preservation which is like words aside is almost the same question of what is the record as in what is it we're trying to preserve and talking about how um you know imagine for an artwork i don't want to go too deep into that world but what is it you're trying to maintain if you've got a digital artwork to make that thing uh, still i don't know uh, an experience that others can share um And then you go all the way to, there was a question at the time, you know, at least 10 years ago now, on do we just basically care about informational content of what we're preserving? So should we sort of try and let go of the formats and should we be trying to just capture the informational content? And I think it's not right when you're trying to, if one of your aims is to understand how someone made a decision or how someone what information someone kept that led to they did basically and to, in the context of sort of government accountability and so on. I just think um, you can't just keep the informational content really for the reasons that we've just been saying. You need um, some kind of view, of the, almost a view of the view, like what was the person right. looking at.
0: Well, I mean, how, how yeah. did
1: the person approach decision making? Yeah, that would be the best thing. That would be the best thing to mm. try and preserve. But, yeah. but,
0: I mean, how did the person approach decision-making? I mean, in that context to me is the thing that immediately sticks out because, you know, I mean, if you've got the type of person who, you know, likes their EA to print all of the documents so that they can read them and, you know, make margin notes and all of those kinds of things, well, you know, what's the process they go through when they make a decision? It actually starts to become important. You know, if they make it on paper, things aren't searchable, you know, what assumptions do you make about how that person makes decisions? I mean, I'm trying to explain something that I don't... I don't think I've actually tried to explain it before I don't have a good analogy for it. But, you know, it's that it, it's that idea of, I guess, you know, let, let's fast forward 50 years into the future or go back 50 years into the past. I mean, when there's no other option but paper, everything gets to you on paper, you read it, you make a decision, you make the decision on paper, you mo- you move it on. Fast forward 50 years into the future, I mean, I'm I think paper's still going to be around. Um, but you know, are there going to be a lot of people who actually understand how the paper world works and the constraints that are put on you and that you know you can't search things? And
2: <laughs> oh, that's an interesting are we going to, question. Are we going to
0: start looking at are, are we going, we're, we're going to, you know, people of the in the future are going to impose their values and their ways of making decisions on people in the past just because you can't help it? Um, Are they going to understand that, you know, these things came in on paper and this person actually sat at their desk and read these things and might not have done it in one sitting? So, you know, the maintenance of context between reading the start of the document and the end of the document might not be great. And, you know, there's there's 4,000 different things that... But I I actually think you've got to start... You've got to maintain an understanding of of, of that sort of thing. You know, did this person... So we... we're getting off topic
2: we're we're talking about Mm. the information itself as Michael said but we're also talking about as it were the presentation layer yes whether it's paper or it's you know electronic how is it presented to, to people and what is it about that that would help them to make that decision and and as far as I can see, presentation layers are getting increasingly sophisticated all the time. so the underlying data may be this, but now we've added all these algorithms on the top and now we've got a I don't know we've got a decision tree or we've got a I don't know, you know uh, an ontology full of cool relationships. What exactly is it that we're preserving?
1: that comes back to your question earlier Judy about sort of like what does it mean to maintain access to these things? And that's why I mentioned access earlier. Like it's, it's, it's not just access as in, yeah, I can get to it, but it's, it's access as in sort of enough uh, context or enough, stuff that um, I know what's going on you know like or, yeah. or I'd have a reasonable chance to and, and thank you know, you I know how to interpret this yeah you've actually just articulated exactly
0: what I was trying to get to which is you know this person when they get this stuff you know this thing that they're making a decision on you know what is there do they have a decision tree that they use you know to essentially get arrive at the at an outcome You know, is are they just ticking? You know, ticking. Are they just signing the thing with their authority when the decision's really been made by ten people? You know, who had to approve this thing to get to them. Mm. You know, how do we maintain that kind of context around things? Is Mm. what what I was fumbling around.
1: And I think um, even if we if we pull it all the way back to the lovely land of documents and think about EDRMs and so on, if you've gone, you know, and and I definitely am including three six five in this. That if you're if you're running workflows and processes and things, to what extent is documentation of those workflows or processes yeah. a, a sort of a, a informative, basically? I mean, yeah, let, yeah, trying to trying to stay away from being too compliancy, just thinking about whether it's a good idea. Do you want to try and keep that stuff? Um, you know, and and all, always these things will come up against sort of a prioritisation thing of like, well, is that our highest priority? But I feel like there must be times. There must be times to provide sort of transparency. It would be really valuable to sort of go, "Hey, this bit was actually we automated this." Yeah, but you're right. I mean, there's um, value judgments all through this, which is yeah, and and the problem. Uh, and I deliberately brought it back to documents because I think some of those judgments exist in the document context, and we may. Uh, have not sort of pulled out those assumptions before in our work. We might have just gone, yeah, <laughs> I'm collecting documents with metadata that directly attaches to that document or to its bucket, basically to its aggregation. Yeah, But, I mean, it does That – that
0: is actually an interesting question for the database as well because, you know, I mean, if you've got a case that's being worked on, you know, and I can think of 50 government agencies that, you know, I've done stuff with that have got case management systems of one type or another – um, you know what, what? When is when is the record? You know, is the record? You know, the person, who, whoever it is, you know, phones in, and right, we open a case for this person, and we collect some basic information. Well, there's, a, there's, you know, is that the record? You know, then when the, you know, the case gets routed to the specialist, who actually, or routed to the specialist for our UK audience. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's my networking background coming out again. Everything's a router. Um. Does, does it, you know, the specialist that actually looks after it, you know, I mean, is, at what point is the record, you know? Mm. And, I mean, I think that's mm. the paper world, this stuff was relatively easy because you couldn't edit stuff. You know, you create you create the artifact it goes to the person. And, I mean, I think we also, it's interesting, I think, that we're also coming back to lots of issues of data minimization and those sorts of things for privacy. And, I mean, ultimately... You know, I mean, for me, I I think with databases, you know, the thing we actually have to do is we have to go right back to the record keeping, you know, what's the moment that the record is kept and that's the bit that we have to start to focus
1: on. What's in my mind is I would try and stay away from sort of a a, a conceptual conversation about what is a record or what's not a record and more come back to why... Why do we say that we want to keep records? So the kinds of things that we talked about a few episodes back around, you know, basically what's, what's it for? What's And then f- based on what's it for, for this set of information, well, which of those things is likely to apply? For example, um, do we need to um, demonstrate that decisions were being made to show, I don't know, you know, hmm. transparency of public spending? Or yeah, is this administrative you know, review? Is it legal review? Is
0: it...
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Were decisions made that affected individuals' lives, you know, those kinds of things, you know, and, and uh, or, or have we captured information that, you know, changes people's entitlements or obligations with the crown? So, um, if you can, if, I mean, it's hard. It's hard. It's a lot of thinking and talking. But I think if you can kind of operate at that level, then you can work backwards from that and go, okay, well, what do we need? Um, and, and what would be good enough for, you know, uh, within that context without getting too caught up in sort of um, debating which things are records and data and information and knowledge yeah, and all that stuff, yeah, yeah. you know. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did want to chuck in something that, um, just a, a practical point about um, one of those digital preservation techniques that I heard. Um, so talked about format shifting, the idea that basically you try and copy things and capture them in different ways. Um The Swiss Federal Archive had a thing which was called, come on brain, SIARD, I think it is, S-I-A-R-D, which is actually software they built to sort of take away the software dependency, if you like, on a bunch of popular um, database formats. So in terms of that sort of question of could we basically capture a whole database and keep it as an archive, they tried to answer it that way which wow. I found really interesting because it's just yeah. tackling that technical level. It's just mm. like, how do we how do we strip stuff out of, um, like a popular database would be SQL Server? Um, how do you remove the dependency on having the right versions and all that stuff and having to maintain the SQL Server at your archive? Um, but then the flip side, um, and I know Jeff Rothenberg is a name, is a really um, big proponent of this. From back thinking of that conference in 2012, um, he said that's not good enough to try and get that kind of application layer that we're talking about in this podcast. Yeah, the presentation um, layer is the important thing. You mm. you actually want to investigate emulation. So emulation is a technology where yeah. you basically load load up your OS. In a virtual environment from that point of time and you do everything from okay it was this version of windows to these systems sitting on windows up and up and up and uh to you know to and this was what the application looked like and that stuff's got so advanced that you can do that stuff in a browser now like you can you know go out there and you can find a mac os7 and play with it and load different utilities and things inside your web browser but the key thing that I think is way, way, way harder when we're talking about you know our context is um, is the fact that you're talking about networked systems that and, and interactions between many systems. So when you're talking about emulation, it's like how do you emulate that business system that's integrated then with then the five other things yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, this is it's so much harder than just like I can load an app, like a you know standalone, like I can open Word and see what Word looked like. The, these anyway, and how
2: the, much difference does it does it make that so much is in the cloud anyway?
0: Well, I mean, this is what, the next thing. What
2: effect thing. does that have?
0: This is this is just the next thing, but I mean the, these com- these companies that are, have got these technology and these are the ones that Zara was referring to earlier. You know, earlier, um, mm. essentially, what they're doing is they're they're rec- they're, they're scraping the presentation layer. And it's kind of my understanding of the technology is that it's happening just like you know a web scraper does. You know, it scrapes a web page, and then you have another. You know, kind of like the Wayback Machine does, and those sorts of things. Um, and it's it's exactly what you were just saying. Mark. Well, it's not. It, it's sort of a. You know, exactly, you could either. You, I, yep. I guess what we're talking about is we're talking Same about a view where you, It's talk, we're talking about a view where you just keep the database. And then you know the the one you're talking about is well we need to emulate the entire operating system software stack application yeah. stack, access yeah. stack you know the whole bit and then this is somewhere in the middle I think where it's sort of saying well you know if you had if you had a case management system we're just going to scrape all the possible views that that case management system can present its users and we're going to keep them somewhere that you know. Is a way it means that you don't have to keep paying your SAP licensing or you know what it is because that's ultimately the thing that you know that that's that's the problem of half of digital preservation. You know, it's do we maintain you know, do, do we keep that SAP instance sitting around in the basement even though it costs our agency five million dollars a year to do so? You know, I mean, how, how can <laughs> you'd have, there'd have to be a pretty strong argument about how that's a good use of public money, I think. Um, be interesting sure. though too, you know, how many of these systems actually have a longevity where they, they need to be kept for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, I've got a friend at one of the the federal government departments here and she she routinely um, destroys information in business systems. She just she sits down, she looks at the data she looks looks at the database, looks at how it's accessed, you know looks at the logic around all of the cases and then, you know, she just works out what the, you know, she just classifies them. And it's a bit of a hand kind of classification exercise. It's, you know, right, well, all of these cases are X, Y, Z, you know, this is the retention class, um, you know, they're retained five years. And so therefore, you know, here's, here's my trigger event, you know, it's the end of that, it's the case closure or whatever it is. And great, here are all of the cases that were closed more than five years ago, IT, delete the cases. And she actually just runs a – she actually runs disposition processes across databases. And, yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that wonders why everybody – I mean, it's, you know, we're starting to get into some of the reasons that's difficult. You know, you've got one business application that, you know, might refer to a – A a, a, a HR type record, you know, here is your here is your HR file, but then your finance record refers to that. So you know, how do you figure out you know Mm. the mishmash of retention classes Mm. that are in conflict, so that you can delete the entire record at the database layer? You know, you've got table integrity to consider and those sorts of things. But there's someone doing something about it. I mean.
1: There is so much to say on this topic. Like, I don't feel like we've scratched the surface of, you know, you're thinking about how long, how do you make sure you retain once you've decided what records are, you know, what is it you need to retain for as long as you, you know, trying to protect from destruction. Then there's the stuff about archiving and getting stuff out, which I think was most of what we're covering. But then there's also, you know, what you just mentioned then, Carl, of like, you know, the secure destruction of subsets of data um, and I think, just very briefly on that last point, that the um, there was certainly a big period of time in which you know destruction just couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. Like that, that software wasn't configured. Line of business systems that were purchased off the shelf weren't set up to actually get rid of the data. Well, most of them still aren't i don't I don't think that's to say oh oh you mean you mean archive and you know <laughs> absolutely make make every records and information person sweat. no, it's not an archive, <laughs> you know, but move stuff to you know off or, or even worse, oh you mean backup
0: that's one of the uh, Ooh. yeah I know, there, there's a can of worms, but that is actually something yeah, that we are yeah. um, getting into with a an agency. anyway um mm.
2: and and more and more people, more and more organisations, are really getting smarter about storing. Well, I don't know. There's two different ways, isn't there? Storing everything in in one place rather than having six different databases with overlapping <coughs> stuff. Let's create one. Or, of course, the the alternative is let's do this layer which just pulls things out. But it's it's there's a lot of overhead in maintaining six different databases. So why don't we get smarter and um, just create one that does everything that we need. And so what happens then? I mean, I'm asking you mm. guys because you know I, I better than I do. I don't know. What happens to the five that have just been – decom or the six, actually, that have been decommissioned to make way for the beautiful new one?
0: Yeah, I, I... – Are they
2: records? <laughs> <laughs> those those old systems, those old databases that we've decided we don't need anymore because we've got mm. a better shiny one that we've migrated mm. everything into – they are still a record of how information was found at that time. So,
1: of so thinking about that, back to thing, that context, people people do lean towards look, you know, look the the content was successfully migrated, and so therefore we yeah. can destroy. And I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be upfront that in, in practice, I, I think that's often the only reasonable approach because just the amount of resources required to figure out answer that other question about the presentation layer. It's just not worth it. But um, I do wish the conversation was had more often because I don't think it's even discussed as in, you know, have we made a conscious choice that although it would be desirable to capture the presentation layer in this case, that's not going to work, you know. Mm. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's something that I I keep – I mean, this
0: this will be – interesting in the future that, because Judy I, I keep running into agencies that are building data lakes that seems to be the
2: yes exactly that yeah, seems yeah, to be yeah.
0: the, the trend you know it's let, let's build
2: it's the way to go yeah
0: which yep. I mean you know I I barely even understand what a I barely even understand what a, a, a data lake is you know at, at, at this point Um. so you know I mean what does that mean for records management what does that mean yeah, for trying to keep exactly. that record of what people saw and how they saw it. And and I really don't know. So, I mean, maybe we should, maybe we should get someone on who can really talk about this stuff and someone does spring to mind. So watch this space. Well, that might be a, 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 a time to uh, wrap us up then. Um, thank you everybody who watched and, you know, we are always really interested in your comments and, you know, if you've got real insight into what this stuff means, you know, please reach out, leave comments. Um, You can pick the podcast up in all kinds of places. So please just, you know, leave comments on the YouTube page, or we do read them, we do respond. Um, But until next time, thanks very much for watching. And thanks, Michael and Judy.
1: Here ends episode 20.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Bye for now.